Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of a Trophy Life podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, coming to you from Atlanta. And this week, my conversation will be with Northwest Missouri State head basketball coach Ben McCollum, the reigning Division II champs. In fact, they've won it three times of the last four that have been played. A great conversation with Ben, an interesting coach and just a terrific guy, and he'll be joining us in just a moment. And our podcast this week has a Division II theme to it as we begin with our Jersey Mike's news and notes. Herb McGee, the shot doc, who has won 1,123 games. Only Mike Krzyzewski has won more among active coaches. He will be retiring at the end of this season. He's the head coach at Jefferson University, but many of us know it as Philadelphia Textile back in the day. The Division II Rams did not play last season because of the pandemic. Coach McGee is 80 years old. He'll coach this year and then hand the reins over to Jimmy Riley. Speaking of Philadelphia basketball, this is Hall of Fame weekend and our winner ladder Naismith Men's Coach of the Year twice over in 06 and 16. Jay Wright will be going in, the Villanova head man. Uh, what an institution he's become in Philadelphia. And he picked four Hall of Famers with deep ties to Philadelphia basketball to present him at the Hall of Fame induction this weekend. The, those are Charles Barkley, Billy Cunningham, George Raveling, and Herb McGee. Did you know that Coach McGee recruited Jay Wright out of high school? And they are both Philadelphia coaching legends. Speaking of a young coaching legend, Ben McCollum will be joining us in just a moment. His Bearcats cruise through the Division II championships again. They dismantled the top seed West Texas A&M 80-54 to win the championship this past spring, the second consecutive title in third in four years. So many eye-popping numbers when you evaluate the Bearcat program. They are 97-3 and over the last three seasons. They've won 43 consecutive games on neutral courts. That's the longest active streak among all three NCAA divisions. That and more with Northwest Missouri State head coach Ben McCollum when we continue after this from Jersey Mike's. If Jersey Mike's turkey had a resume, it would say it's 99% fat-free and raised without antibiotics. But our turkey already has its dream job at Jersey Mike's because premium meat makes a sub above. It's a pleasure to welcome in the head coach of the reigning Division II NCAA men's basketball champions, Ben McCollum. He's the head coach at Northwest Missouri State. We welcome Ben to the Trophy Life podcast. Ben, thank you so much for taking time. It's great to catch up with you, and congratulations on yet another championship. Well, well thanks a lot, and thanks a lot for having me on. Division II basketball, of course, all levels of basketball mean a lot to us here at the Atlanta Tip-Off Club, but D2 in particular, uh, we've got a soft spot in our heart. Uh, years ago, Kennesaw State won the uh, 04 title. Uh, a dear friend of the club, Tony Engel, who passed away from COVID complications in January, led uh, the Owls to the championship. And then in 2013, uh, we had the D2 and D3 title games uh, here in Atlanta in conjunction with the Division One Final Four. So D2 basketball means a lot to us, and I know it means a lot to you too. It's a very special brand of basketball. Absolutely. I, I think the thing that Division Two, where it separates itself is, is I guess, the balance of, of life and 
um, and basketball to where we get our summers off a little bit more. And so it's not as um, intensive during the summers, but you're able to, to really uh, work for yourself during the summers and not get overcoached and, and um, really come for the joy of, of playing basketball and competing with your teammates. Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself first, and we'll get into your ball club and the success that they've had. Um, growing up, uh, born in Iowa, um, how did you get hooked on the game, first of all, as a kid, and then what led you into coaching? Yeah, you know, I, I just loved it from the start. I loved every sport, to be quite honest, baseball. Um, in Iowa, you wrestle, so I wrestled until I was in eighth grade, and soccer, um, basketball, baseball, football, every single sport. I just played it and loved it and loved competing, uh, most importantly. But the action with basketball really got me hooked. Uh, the reason I got into coaching was when I was a kid, um, The you know, my parents got a divorce, so I was raised, for the most part, by a, a single mother. And a lot of the male influence that, that I received was from my youth coaches and and they made a big difference on my life and um you know got me into coaching and and to where I wanted to make a difference on on other kids lives and and make sure that uh, they had all the um, things that they needed to be great in life and so that's why I got into it just to just to pay it back from from everything that's been given to me throughout my life and and uh, really doing it for that kind of genuine reason and did it uh, right from the start at the college level. Um, obviously, you, you worked at your alma mater first, then to Emporia State, and then back to become the head coach at Northwest. Uh, tell us a little bit about the journey, the stops along the way, and, and what you learned at each place. Yeah, so so starting off here, I actually graduated with a finance degree um, from Northwest and was going to go into the financial world. And did for a few months and, and probably made more in a few months than I did in four years as an assistant coach, but um, then <laughs> ended up deciding that I felt like I could make a difference coaching. And, and I always love coaching any age, whether it's youth, high school, middle school, um, all, all the way up to college and, and any professional player. I, I just love coaching. I love making a difference. And so I came back. I worked for free for my first year as a GA with, with my old head coach. And then second year, got the graduate assistant job, then moved to Emporia State under a guy named David Moe. And, and basketball historians will know uh, the name Doug Moe. And, and uh, fortunate to learn under him for for four seasons, had the opportunity to do essentially everything, and then came back. My head coach retired and wanted a, a former player to be the head coach. So at the age of 27, I became the head coach here. I was the youngest in Division Two. Um, you know, what I learned the day I got that job, and I think this goes for anybody that becomes a manager or, or a leader of a business, um, you know, or a head coach is, you really don't know as much as you think when you're the <laughs> assistant coach. The day I got the job, I was like, "Oh boy, I don't. I, don't, I knew everything one day ago. Now all of a sudden, I don't know anything." And um, it, it's amazing when you're responsible for for everything. But I was fortunate enough to to learn uh, along the way, whether it be with college basketball, whether it would be with my old head coach, and then and then David Moe, and and take a little bit from everything, and then use that for for my own good. Well, you got it rolling now. I mean, it's amazing the success that you all have had 
winning three of the last four, and it might have been four out of five had it not been for the shutdown two years ago. Uh, but you, you've got a style of basketball that I think has captured a lot of people's attention, and particularly in the coaching community with the ball movement, uh, the efficiency with which that you play. How did that develop for you, Ben, uh, as a coach, and then to implement it with your team? It, it developed a lot with, with Mo at Emporia State, just a different way to look at offense and really playing towards people's strengths while giving each player a, a ton of freedom within the framework of, of what we do. And so what I've always found is if you empower them and, and get them to understand what they are great at, the role definition takes care of itself. So, so often coaches talk a lot about role definition and, and do what you're good at or don't do what you're not good at. Um, we just really emphasize each individual person's greatness, and then eventually they'll naturally work towards that um, within, again, the framework of, of our offense. But it, it took time. You know, when we first got here, I probably ran every offense under the sun, um, and none of them seemed to work because they weren't very good my first two seasons. And then eventually I fell in love with just ball screens, pick and pop, pick and roll, all those different actions. And, and as we got stuff taken away, we added more and more to the simplicity of our offense. So we may set a screen 15, 20 different ways, and then that creates a rotation defensively where people are, are flying around, and then we're able to, to really share the basketball after that and that's where that rule definition comes into play. Um, the other thing we try to do is, is, is make sure that we have selfless people and, and people that naturally want for the good of others and, and naturally serve. And when you do that, a lot of times it's easy to share the basketball. It just, it just happens. You don't have to force it. Um, there's no magic formula to be able to do that outside of getting the right people that want for the success of their teammates. And so um, that's another big part of our offense as well. You know, watching uh, the tape, uh, it's so intriguing. And I, I just love the ball movement. I mean, it's the way the game should be played. There's no question. And the fact that you get so much attention from uh, the coaching community, uh, they want to find out what's the secret sauce, you know, whether it's uh, there was a wonderful story last week in The Athletic about you and the program and the calls that you get and the inquiries that you get from the other coaches. Uh, what do you tell them? Is it a uh, is it just a base philosophy? Do you have to get uh, recruit special people that buy into this kind of system? How do you think it, it, it clicks for you all? You know, that that is a, that's a good question that I have been asked of uh, quite a bit and and I don't know that, that we've ever totally defined it. I think the, the first part about it is, is really the people that you get into your program. And so you recruit the right people, and then you empower them to, to do what they do. And, and it, it sounds, again, very, very simple, but basketball is probably one of the most overcoached sports there is. And a lot of that goes to coaches, um, including me sometimes, including all coaches, want to show how good of a coach they are from an ego perspective. And what we've always tried to do is be the best teacher there is. 
and put everything, uh, the whole cognitive weight of of offense on our players. And so I would say, one, it's the players that you get. Two, empowering each player to be great. Um, and, and, and then obviously creating that selfless mentality that, that we have. So, you know, I would say, you know, get guys that can dribble, shoot, and pass, get guys that can make plays, get guys that can do that. But it really comes down to making sure that you empower each of your players to, to, to be great. But, again, easier said than done because so often basketball is such an overcoached sport. We always say um, we would rather have an undercoached team than an overcoached team because that will allow the natural beauty of, of each individual player to shine. And, Ben, how much a part of that for you uh, is just the willingness to take a chance uh, and not not go to the cookie-cutter route of, you know, the way basketball is coached and played, uh, is that, uh, this? you know, it's, it's sort of a chicken and egg thing. You know, you get the success by letting go, but, you know, you you don't want to let go in the beginning because you're afraid it won't work. So how, how did you get over that part of it? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, you, you trust, you trust yourself, you trust your eyes. And so that was the thing that I learned a lot with Mo was really thinking completely outside of the box and thinking for yourself. And so that's kind of the concept of our offense. I don't necessarily want our players to do everything that I tell them to do. That would be, you know, essentially a robot. I I want them to think for themselves. So they have to have intent behind everything that they do. So if if it's a simple um, cut, you know, what's the intent? How does that help our whole offense? I want them to understand that from their perspective rather than just listening to me and doing what I tell them to do. So in building that offensive philosophy, um, that, that's kind of the same concept as to what we do is really don't believe everything that you hear. Completely rethink everything each year um, and, and don't take it as factual. And recruiting-wise, the same concept. Really trust your own eyes and believe in yourself and your ability to evaluate things uh, is something that, that we try to do constantly. I was just reading a book, actually, called Think Again. It's a really good book, and, and they talk about rethinking everything constantly and, and really thinking outside the box and thinking for yourself. And so we've always tried to do that since day one, and, and it seems to work so far. Ben, you mentioned the book. Who are some of the uh, maybe coaches or people outside of basketball that influence you to to uh, help you in that line of thinking? You know, I, I would say my mom would be, um, you know, the primary one, just uh, how I was raised <clears throat> and how she, she cared for us and, and, and also uh, made sure that, that we worked hard and we're never victims. You know, it's we own every single thing that we do. Very intentional about what we do, and and uh, she was probably my my greatest influence. Um, if there was some someone that influenced me like that. Wow, that's awesome. I don't know whether what it is about Iowa, but I think of you and I think of uh, Nick Nurse is another guy, the coach of the Raptors, who is not afraid to try new things. Uh, back years ago, Grinnell. Uh, college, the way they scored, uh, shooting the three. Uh, maybe it's something in the water out there. Um, you know, it's just be bold, right? Yeah, it's God's country up there. So, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no doubt. We, uh, <laughs> I, Nick Nurse is actually from an hour away from me. Uh, so 
his uh, his former assistant Nate Bjork was from Storm Lake, same same hometown, the, the oh, old wow. Indiana Pacers coach. Yeah, and right. then uh, yeah, there's quite a few. You'd be surprised at the amount of Iowa people. Uh, I guess around your area, Steve Forbes. I don't know how close you are to him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an Iowa guy, so yep. yeah, quite, quite a few Iowa guys out there. But God's country. I mean, that's the only way to explain it. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's why everything good comes from there. No, I'm just it, I was a kid, but no, it's a fun place to grow up. And and yeah, Nick Nurse is obviously very innovative as well, and um, not afraid to think for himself. And and I think that's important. Well, like. Uh... Like everyone in basketball, uh, we were so excited to get the new season going, and we want to keep an eye on your guys, of course, all season long. Uh, how was the summer? You're ready to go. Uh, everybody's back in school. So tell us a little bit about next season. Summer was, was great. We actually took a foreign tour to the Bahamas, which was which was good until we arrived, and then uh, COVID got our games canceled. So <laughs> that but I guess it was good for our players because they were able to enjoy the Bahamas and, and just do workouts in the morning and whatnot. Um, but we had that extra two weeks to be able to practice in the summer. So we're a little bit he- ahead. Uh, we have everybody returning except one. And and then we recruited two freshmen. So I think we could be okay as long as we maintain our hunger and, and really stay process-focused, just really getting better. Uh, daily, and um, you know, as long as we do those things, I think we should be okay. Well, we can't wait to to watch your games again, and uh, wish you nothing but the best. And thanks so much for taking time. This has been delightful. Uh, we wish you the best, and congratulations, and best to your family. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot for having me on. That's it for this week. We're getting closer, aren't we, to the start of practice? Teams are already in their training programs. The new season is right around the corner. We'll talk more about it next week. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you leave a rating and review. It lets us know uh, how we're doing and how we can serve you better, and it gets the word out to college fans everywhere. So thank you for that. And until then, Bob Rathman saying so long from Atlanta.